Dekaraya. There's only Malachi after that. And between Malachi and John the Baptist, there's no one. At least that's <laughs> written in the Bible. So, uh, Zechariah. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. We have a Bible. Okay. Zechariah. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this book. I think of this book, Lord, just filled with references of, of you, Lord Jesus. It's packed with it. What an encouragement, Lord. Just as we were talking about this morning, just every one of you needs to be, to have a, a defense for the reason that the hope is within you. And, and this book, just all alone, Lord, is, is just a defense for our faith. There's so much fulfilled prophecy in this book. And, Lord, we don't want to miss anything. And so I just pray in Jesus' name that you will lead us and guide us through the word this evening. Build us up, Lord. Let's pray for the nursery. Pray for the lady study that's going on. Just pray for Rock the World. Just bless bless your church. Bless the churches throughout the city as there are a number, number of them meeting this evening, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Zechariah. Zechariah mentions the phrase, the Lord of hosts, 53 times. The Lord of hosts. Hosts is usually referring to an angelic army. It mentions the, wor- the words either Jerusalem, Zion, or the, the city 44 times. A lot of the references are to the distant future. Zechariah mentions the Lord restoring Israel, as we have seen in, I was going to say in our lifetime, I don't think anyone here is quite that old, but not even me, but uh, uh, it, it, it mentions that 19 times, just a lot of prophecy. It mentions the Lord's universal reign, and by that it means Jesus reigning on the earth physically. It mentions that 12 times. And it also mentions the Lord dwelling in the midst of his people again as he's He's dwelling physically at some future time, nine times. And as we've mentioned before, when Jesus came, many of the well-read Jews thought that Jesus was going to physically reign then. In other words, he was going to defeat the Romans who were ruling in the area of Palestine at the time and that he was going to set up a kingdom. And that's why his 
the 12 apostles would argue who was going to have the best position in his cabinet. Even John the Baptist was, uh, was mistaken. He thought that Jesus was going to come in and he was going to be the Messiah. He was going to take over then. A lot of it is because they were well-schooled in prophets such as Zechariah. This book is quoted 40 times in the New Testament. 40 times. Now, I'm not sure, but that may be second to only the Psalms. Isaiah may be uh, quoted more. But uh, is quoted repeatedly throughout the New Testament. Remarkable pictures of Jesus Christ in this book. The picture of a king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey right out of Zechariah. The picture of Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver prophesied right out, right out of Zechariah 500 years before Jesus. The picture of him, the picture of Messiah being pierced and, and people looking at the pierced Messiah and weeping right out of Zechariah. I remember years ago, uh, one of the friends here of the church, Garrett Smith, who was with Jews for Jesus, uh, came here. He's probably spoken at the church on Sunday morning about 10, <laughs> ten times, but one of the first couple times was uh, he just taught out of the, the, uh, the book of Zechariah. I was just, I was amazed. <laughs> I was just amazed at how many how many prophecies fulfilled prophecies about Jesus were in this book Zechariah so it says in verse 1 it says in the 8th month of the second year of Darius the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. And so that reference to Darius should remind some of you that this is a post-exilic prophet, meaning it was after, uh, it took place after the exile. Dave, do you have... uh, I have a, we have a, a bunch of charts. Hey, Sam, um, do you have the, the laser? So I'm just, again, if you weren't here last week, this is where, thank you, Sam. So this is uh, after Solomon here, Israel split in two. Ten tribes in the north. Here's a list of the kings, and here's a list of the prophets. Elijah was the first prophet to the, the northern kingdom. You can scroll a little. Um, Here's the prophets to the southern kingdom. Jonah, Joel, Isaiah. Here's the kings in the south here. Kings in the north, all bad kings, every single one of them. Kings in the south, there were some really good kings. Uh, You can scroll a little bit more. Uh, There's Micah. Uh, And then, now so here, just up a little bit more, that's perfect. So here, Jeremiah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk and Ezekiel were 
all prophesying during the closing years of the Jewish kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Israel, which started with Saul and ends with this guy, Zedekiah. The whole Jewish kingdom, the kingdom, you know, start reading the Bible, you know, what is it, what is it, what's even the purpose of a kingdom? I mean, that's kind of weird. Uh, a kingdom. Isn't God our king? Well, the, 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 per, the reason God established Saul and then David um, as a, a literal physical kingdom, it was a foreshadowing. It was a prophetical type of what was to come and be fulfilled in Christ. But of course, there was a big problem with it, and that was what? Obviously, the kings were who? Humans. And, and, and as such, ultimately, uh, they failed. The very end, uh, the last good king was this guy, Josiah, and he was a really, really good king. Um, but the, the last kings were his sons, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, Zedekiah. Uh, and at this point, at having been, Jeremiah having been warning them for literally 40 years, that Jerusalem was going to be wiped out if they don't repent. Uh, and they, they didn't repent. Jerusalem was wiped out. The temple, which was just the, 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 which was the heart and soul of their existence, was completely demolished, the temple was, under Zedekiah. And all the Jews were, uh, or a good, either they were murdered uh, the poor stayed around uh, there, or they were taken into exile in Babylon. Babylon is modern-day Iraq, 900 miles away. Now, during the time in Babylon, um, Ezekiel and Daniel were uh, prophesying to him, and that was for a 70-year period. Jeremiah here had, had prophesied that they would because of their sins, they would be literally taken away from the land for 70 years. Uh, and, but at that, at that point, um, they would return. And so uh, during that 70-year period, that's Ezekiel and Daniel. But, but after the exile, and you can move up uh, a little now, Dave. Uh, other way, sorry. After the, the Babylonian exile, Ezekiel and Daniel... That's the post-exile prophets. Um, and that is Haggai, who we were studying last week, Zechariah, we're, who we're with today, and Malachi. And uh, during that time, there's, there's governors. There's not kings. There's not going to be another king until Jesus. There's not going to be another um, Jewish king <laughs> until Jesus reigns again. At the time that Jesus was born, for example, the Jews were there, but they didn't, they weren't in charge, they, they, they were not a sovereign nation. They, they, they were not in control of their own government. Here there's, there's governors, uh, Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, good guys. Um, at the time of Jesus, for example, Herod, um, he, he was sort of Rome's representative in the land. He wasn't such a good guy. These guys, they're good guys. Uh, and so they come back, and as we talked about last week, um, why, don't we just, why don't we just briefly show one of the other, uh, one of the other charts, Dave?
So here's, here's when you have to turn your head. It starts all the way from Abraham, Genesis, was that, chapter 12? Um, here's the time they were in Egypt. Here's the time where they left Egypt. Um, here's the time of the judges where they go into the promised land. King David starts here. Here's the Babylonian uh, captivity here where they're in Babylon, and then they come back. Jesus is here, um, but uh, again, here we see them again, Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi prophesying during this time. Now, uh, there is a book which may, should be read in conjunction with this prophet. How many of you here were, were, were here last week? How many? Okay, and, and that is the book of Ezra. Ezra should be read alongside of this book, Zechariah, as well as the book of Haggai. In the book of Ezra, it actually chronicles when the Israelites came back from Babylon. They, uh, there was a, uh, the, the, the king of Persia, Cyrus, actually gave a decree ordering, commanding the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to their homeland and rebuild their temple. Isaiah the prophet has actually prophesied that. And, uh, and, and 200 years before. And so Cyrus gives this decree. They go, 50,000 of the Jews leave Babylon. They come back to Israel. They begin the rebuilding of the temple. But then the, their neighbors... The Samaritans, I think folks that were formerly Ammonites, just surrounding enemies, same enemies, amazingly, uh, that descended from the the, the same um, enemies that Israel has today, came against them. This is amazing, the history of Israel. Came against them saying, what are you doing building in this land? They complained uh, Cyrus had left power. They complained to a new emperor saying, this people has a history of being troublemakers. You need to stop them from building this temple. And the new emperor said, okay, yeah, they're right. This, This country, this nation does have a history of being rebellious. And the whole thing stopped. And it stopped for 15 years. Until... Two guys arrive on the scene. One Haggai and the other is this guy, Zechariah. Now, Haggai, as we saw last week, um, he was a rebuker. He went in and got in people's face and rebuked them. And, and you guys are disobeying the command of God. And, and, and God has ordered famines in your life. God has, has um, ordered... Uh, you know the the the, po- the pockets that you fill with your money to be get holes in them so all your money would fall out. He's he, he's uh, brought calamity on your life. Why? Because you are disobeying the word of the Lord. Why did you come back? Why did you come back to Israel? Well, we came back to build the temple. Well, why aren't you doing that? Well, the emperor told us not to, and. He said, well, what has God told you to do? And they began uh, building the temple again and really pressed the issue with the emperor uh, back in Persia, and they got a favorable ruling this time, and they completed the temple. And so we talked last week um, just about 
the importance, if, if God has called you to a certain thing, just because there's an obstacle that's thrown in your path, don't necessarily think it's a sign from God. Don't just stop and say, oh, this must be the Lord. I'm going to stop this hard thing. And I'm going to just kick back in and, and, and with the comforts of my life. Haggai came in and said, you guys are getting so comfortable in your paneled houses. Well, mere, meantime, the, the temple of the Lord lies in ruins. What are you guys doing? And so what Jeremiah was not able to do for 40 years... Zechariah and Haggai did in three months. The people turned around. Their spirit was stirred. And, and it was, it's really an amazing thing. They, they, they were able to, to complete the temple in a, a fairly short amount of time. But, but anyway, that is the background. One other thing about this um, guy, uh, Zechariah, and I promise we will move forward in this chapter, is in chapter 2 we find out he's a young man. And scholars think he may have only been 17 or 18 years old. Look, someone can start prophesying when they're a kid. There is no age uh, to be a, uh, uh, there is no age uh, to start prophesying. For a priest, there was uh, there, there was an age. It was thirty years old, but not for a prophet. So it's, so anyway, it says in verse one, in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying. The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, a lot of this book is going to be prophecy. He's going to be encouraging them about what's going to happen in their future. And as I said, most of the rebuking comes from Haggai. But here you have uh, more of a, a, a rebuke or an exhortation coming from Zechariah. God says, go to them, tell them the Lord's been really angry with them and their fathers, and say to them, return to me and I will return to you. Now I got to tell you, one of the biggest issues that we have when we're counseling people who are in sin, in habitual sin, in besetting, sin that's besetting them, mean just trash in their life. If they say, God's just got to do something. I can't tell you, I pray every day for the Lord just to do something to my heart to take away this desire in me to sin. And we say the same thing to him every time. If you're a Christian, the Bible says that God has given you the grace to say no. It says that in the book of Titus. And God has also given you the grace, 2 Peter chapter 1, to move forward. And God says in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3, return to me, says the Lord, and I'll return to you. In other words, you have to take a step forward. You have to obey and here's telling them the same thing. They had been in this state where they were resting on their behind, their loyal laurels for, for 15 years. Hmm, I wonder when God's going to take care of that order to, help, to tell us to stop 
building the temple. Well, maybe you're supposed to take care of it, <laughs> you know. So they were just, they, were, they had gotten so complacent. And, and, and the Lord says, return to me and I will return to you. Verse 4, do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor hear heed me, says the Lord. So he's saying in verse 4, don't be your fathers who, like Jeremiah and others, went to him and said, turn now from your evil ways, but they didn't do it. Don't be like your fathers. And it it says in verse 5, it says, your fathers, where are they? They're dead. And then he says, and the prophets, do they live forever? Are Are they still around? Uh, no, they're not. They're dead too. But, verse 6, surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded by my prophet, servants the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? In other words, look, guys. Jeremiah prophet, prophesied to your fathers for 40 years. He told them, if you don't repent, if you don't repent, You, many of you are going to be killed. Many of you are going to be put to death. And this city of yours, this home is going to be, become a desolation. It's going to be destroyed. And, and it says here in, 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 in verse four, it says, but they didn't do it. And so verse six, the word of the Lord overtook. It says, did they not overtake the prophecy? Did it not overtake your fathers? And so in a way, these folks had the benefit of seeing that, you know, eventually, when God warns, he judges. <laughs> the, the problem is, is that we get so used to the mercy of God that he's merciful, and the Bible says he suffers long with us that, you know, we take that for granted and assume he's never going to come in and chasten. He's never going to come in and discipline. He's never going to come in and judge. So we assume he's never, ne- never going to do, the, do that. But these folks had the benefit of actually seeing the fulfillment of that prophecy. He says, yet, verse 6, Yet surely my words and my statute, which I commanded of the servants of the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? <clears throat> and, and then it says, So they returned. Who returned? The people that Zechariah spoke to. And they said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us, according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. And so this is what you you see in the book of Ezra. You, You see the people actually repenting. What Jeremiah couldn't do in 40 years, just within a few months between Haggai and Zechariah, a revival happens. The people start turning to God and, and you know, they, they, they recognize, wow, we really need to, uh, we really need to um, uh, follow the Lord here. We really need to follow the Lord. Now, the interesting thing about this guy, Zechariah, he is actually, Jesus makes a reference to this guy, Zechariah. He makes a reference to Zechariah in the book of Matthew. You don't have to turn there. But in Matthew 23, when he is confront, confronting 
the Pharisees who had turned the wonderful uh, faith in Jehovah into an ironclad religion which had just become a burden to the people. And they had taken the worship of Jehovah and turned it into something that was really they used for their own profit and, and, and for their own power. And he said to the Pharisees, he said in Matthew 23, he said, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. And he's gonna, he's, he says, I'm going to send you prophets, wise men, scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, same guy, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So at some point, at a time in the future here, it's probably in, in the distant future, the same guy was murdered in the temple. It, 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 you know, it, it, it shows the, the hazards of, of being a prophet you know, to the nation of Israel. But at this time, he actually, so at the beginning, he actually saw the people Repent. He saw them repent. So verse 7 of chapter 1 says this. It says, on the 24th day of the 11th month. So this is three months. For those of you who care, and I hope some of you do, at least some of you, this is three months after Haggai started prophesying. Zechariah started prophesying. So the Lord says, this is a stubborn people. I'm going to send two of these guys. On the 24th day of the, uh, of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. Now buckle your seat, seatbelts here. This is, you know, this is going to, we haven't, we haven't been one of these prophets for a while. This is kind of like reading Ezekiel where we're going to see some freaky things. It's kind of nice every few, every few books to... To, to get a vision that's like, okay, wow, this is, what's up with this? But here's the vision that he saw. I saw by night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, and it stood among the myrtle trees and in the hollow, and behind him were horses, red, sorrel, and white. And so he sees this vision. There's a man riding on a red horse. And it stood in the myrtle trees. And behind them, behind this one horse, the man sitting on the red horse, there were other horses, red, sorrel, and white. You say, what is, what is sorrel? Who knows what color sorrel is? Anyone know what the color sorrel is? What's that? You're right. It's close to this chair that I'm on. But here, just in case you didn't know, I, I brought you a picture of a sorrel-colored horse. This is it, right here. <laughs> sorrel. So now you know. In America, actually, they, they call that what? 
chestnut, chestnut color. But um, so anyway, line by line, verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word. Want to make sure you know what sorrel means. And so uh, there's a man on a red horse. And then in verse 9, it says, Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And it says, So the angel who talked with me, that's really interesting. There's an angel talking with Zechariah here. He says, So the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. And so they answered the angel of the Lord who stood among the myrtles and said, We have walked to and from the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. And so here you have a, a picture. Every once in a while we're, 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 we are given a picture of the spiritual realm. And, you know, just because we're not able, always able to see the spiritual realm doesn't mean that the spiritual realm is not able to see us. See, notice here it says uh, there's the, 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 these angels, and it says here, it says we have walked, these, these, these are, actually these are angels, these are angelic beings. We have walked to and fro throughout the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. In other words, they know what's going on. And and don't want to freak anyone out here, but right now an angel is watching you. Hi. Uh, they're watching us. That's what the that's what the Bible that's what the Bible does teach. You know, you hear sometimes preachers say, you know, Satan, he's he's studying you and he's examining you. Well, you know, there is a lot of truth to that. I've said things like that before. But the Bible says so much greater is is the is the host. Remember that word host which refers to an angelic army, uh, is the host of the Lord, the Lord's host. Now, throughout the Bible, you know, you see references to the angelic host. One of my favorites is in 2 Samuel chapter 5 when David has just become king. The Philistines want to just uh, come and overrun Israel to nip this thing in the bud. They have this this new king, he's green, uh, and so they just want to overrun him. And in Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 23, it says, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said to him, don't go up right now to uh, the Philistines, rather go behind them, and it shall be when you, sat, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. And so that was referring literally to an angelic army that was present. And, and sure enough, David, King David went behind them, uh, behind the Philistines, and when he, he waited, when he heard the sound of the marching and at the top of the uh, mulberry trees, he attacked, and he won. And then they, another, 
another uh, incident like this in 2 Kings chapter 6, a little bit more familiar, is, is the prophet Elisha is in the town of Dothan. And the king of Syria is so exasperated because everywhere he goes, it seems like someone has ratted his uh, ratted him out and told the enemy of his plans. And someone finally goes to him and says, there's a reason someone always knows your plans in advance. And that's because there's a prophet in Israel and he knows everything. He, he knows about your dreams. He, he just knows everything, referring to the prophet Elisha. And the king of Syria said, where's this guy? He's in Israel, in, in, in the land of He's in Dothan in the land of of Israel. And so, well, we better go and get him. Now, doesn't he figure out that if this guy knows everything, he's going to know he's going to go to Dothan? And so, you know, there's this scene of uh, Elisha and Dothan and and, uh, Elisha. It's kind of like Jesus when he was... um, he was sleeping in the, in the boat in the middle of the storm. You know, this gigantic Syrian army uh, surrounds Dothan, and he's there sleeping, and his, his, his servant um, uh, Gehazi wakes up and goes out, and he goes, uh, you know, Edith, come, I'm coming to join you type of thing. He's, 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 he's having a heart attack. And, and he goes back to Elisha, and, you know, hey, Elisha, do you realize what's going on? He goes, yeah. Hey, Lord, would you open up his eyes, Lord? And the Lord opened up his eyes, and, and it says, Elisha prayed, and, and, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chairs of fire all around. And that all became evident to Gehazi. And, 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 and the Bible says that just really, there's a spiritual realm, which we do not know about, and, and and see all the time. From time to time, I'll have a brother and sister in the church give me just great detail of, of a vision of angels um, that they have seen. We have folks in this church. They have that, I don't know what you, whether you would call it a gift or, or, or whatever, but the Lord has granted uh, to them um, eyes into the spiritual realm, into the spiritual realm. Uh, again, just one more example that I really love. When, when Jacob left Esau and Isaac and he went out into the wilderness, he had a dream of angels, a ladder going up to heaven and angels descending and ascending um, on, on, on the ladder. And the reason I really like that picture so much is it because it shows you just how involved the angelic realm, the spiritual realm is in your life because you too are a child of God. And so here, he, he sees this, this vision. Um, there's a, uh, there's a, a man who is on a red horse in verse 8. Now, the, the, this picture is a picture of none other than Jesus Christ, uh, the, the Babylonian Talmud. And this is the, that's that's a Jew, that's um, Jewish scribes wrote the Talmud. It's sort of extra outside of the Bible documents, um, which chronicles sort of scribes and what they thought of different verses. They point to this verse, and it says in the Babylonian Talmud, it says, this is none other than the Holy One, and he is a man of war, referring to the Messiah here. Now, it says here that, of the, that the angelic host uh, came 
And, and, and they said to Zechariah, we have walked to and fro throughout all the earth, and behold, all the earth is resting quietly. What does that mean? Well, let's, let's find out. Verse 12 says, it says, then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you were angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words. So the angel who spoke with me said to me, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great zeal. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. For I was a little angry, and they helped, but with evil intent. Now, this needs a little interpretation here. It, 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 it says here that, um, that, that Zechariah is actually seeing this vision of the angel speaking with the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the man on this red horse. <laughs> and, and, and the angel says, Oh, Lord, how long are you going to not have mercy on Jerusalem. H- how long are we going to be living here and we're going to be oppressed by our enemies? And it says that the Lord answered with good and comforting, comforting words and, and said, I'm zealous for Jerusalem and I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease. Now remember the book of Ezra. So again, you need to read this, the book of Ezra, right alongside of this book. Why, why is this saying this? Well, they've been sitting there for 15 years. The enemies had not allowed them to, uh, had not allowed them to rebuild the temple. The Ammonites and uh, the, uh, the Edomites and these other, and the Sumerians, their, their enemies surrounding uh, uh, Jerusalem, all circling around kept them sort of in a place of, in a defeated place. And, and so Zechariah is, is saying, seeing this vision and, 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 and the message is, how long is this going to go on, Lord? I thought we we're supposed to rebuild this temple. And, and what he hears back from the Lord is, I'm zealous for Jerusalem with a great zeal. In other words, I am going to defend Jerusalem with a great zeal. And, and it says, I'm exceedingly angry with these nations who are at ease. In other words, it's a little confusing because of that phrase, at ease. What he's saying is, these nations who are sort of just enjoying themselves, living around Jerusalem, they're at ease, they're at comfort, it's not going to be there anymore because I'm going to be coming against them. Now, why would these be comforting words? Because this means, this is going to give them confidence to rebuild the temple. So when you see in the book of Ezra that, wow, they went back and they started building the temple again after Zechariah and Haggai came in, it was because of these words right here that we're reading. Where Zechariah came in and said, look, I saw a vision and God said he's going to be zealous for the city. And he says that these people who are oppressing you right right now, not letting you rebuild this temple, I'm going to take care of them. And the people, by faith, by faith and faith alone, they proceeded. 
Now, that's, that's an encouraging word for me. They didn't have any evidence. All the evidence was is that a bunch of troops from the emperor showed up 15 years before and said, if you guys continue working on the temple, we're going to kill you. All they had to go on was, well, this guy is telling the truth. He says he's a prophet. And, and, and remember we, we read last week in the book of Haggai, it said the spirit of the Lord stirred them up. Only the Lord can do this word in our heart because fear is crippling. The Bible says fear is torment in 1 John. And only the spirit of God, the Bible says love casts out fear. And love is a fruit of the what? The Holy Spirit. And so it really is quite remarkable. The, the, the Jews, they got up and they started working on the basis of this prophecy here, as well as Haggai getting in their face and saying, hey, you lazy bums, would you start working? You know, two very different prophetical ministries working together is what happened. Verse 16. Says, therefore, says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My hell house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts. And our surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. And that may be a reference to the fact that after the temple was built, what happened? What was built after the, the temple was built? The walls. That's right, Nehemiah shows up and there's no walls. And they needed walls because their enemies, after the temple was built, their enemies continued to threaten them. And so that, uh, that, that may be a reference to the, the larger uh, uh, restoration of Jerusalem. Again, it's a prophecy. Verse 17, again, proclaim, again, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my city shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion, and he will again choose Jerusalem. And so comforting words to them that not only Jerusalem would be rebuilt, but cities throughout the cities throughout Israel would be rebuilt. One of those was the city of Nazareth. Nazareth is a really interesting place. The word Nazareth means, Natsur means branch. And some people wonder, you know, why did Jesus was from what house? Uh, He was a descendant of what tribe? Judah. And some people wonder, well, what? Nazareth is way in the north of Israel. Why did Jesus go back to the north part of Israel? Why did Jesus' descendants, rather, return from Babylon back to the northern part of Israel? Um, we don't know for sure, but they called their city Nazareth, Nazareth, people of the branch, people of the Messiah, which is another messianic title, the branch, which we will see in Zechariah. It's one of the cities that was... Again, just rose up, God prophesied. This, this, this whole country is going to be populated with cities again. Must have been an amazing thing for these Jewish people to be hearing because it had just been overrun by the enemy. Verse 18. Then I raised my eyes and look, 
and there were four horns. It's another vision. And I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these? It's really nice to have someone, an angel, right by you interpreting your visions. And so he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. So, well, well, let's, let's continue. Verse 20 says, Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. And I said, What are these coming to do? And so I said, These are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nation that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. So, what's this all about? Remember, all, every jot and tittle in the Old Testament, we're not supposed to just read over to say we read it. The Lord wants us to dig in. The four horns represent those four nations which enslaved the Jews and scattered them throughout the world. Again, verse 19, what are the horns? These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. One of those horns would have represented Assyria. Assyria came into the 10 tribes in the north and scattered the Jews all around the world, all around the, the everywhere that the Assyri- everywhere in the world that the Assyrians had power over, they sent the Jews to including just way out east in India and places like this, and, uh, or, or the Jews eventually made their way to these places. Uh, the Babylonians did the same thing. The, the Persians, the Medes, were involved in taking the Jews and just sending them all over the place. Those are these four horns. How about the craftsmen? Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Some translations say I think some translations say carpenters, uh, and some other translations say something else. I forget what it was, but uh, you know. But the, 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 it's it's. The, I guess from what I understand, it's not it's it's not really a carpenter, not a woodworker, as much as someone uh, who is more generally can can build a city or or they can uh, build a house or a structure, craftsmen. And he says, well, these are the. These are the men, who, these are the ones who are going to terrify the horns. And so what, is, what, is belie- what, it, what scholars think these four craftsmen represent are angelic, angelic figures. If you remember from the book of Daniel, there was a, prince of Greece and there was a prince of Persia and, and we know that um, is it Michael? Is the arch, archangel of Israel? Is that right? And, and, and you know we can't we don't, we're not given too much detail on this but the Bible indicates that there are archangels over areas of or regions of the earth and so the belief is that these four craftsmen will bring terror and fear into the hearts of these nations and, uh, that, that are op- oppressing uh, the, 
that are oppressing the Israelites and preventing them from building again, and they're going to they're gonna terrify them, and they're going to cause them to uh, scatter. And so the, uh, the vision, this prophetical vision given to, to Zechariah, and it's, it's meant to encourage them. And so to me, fascinating uh, here, uh, the interplay between Haggai, who's more of sort of a, a practical rebuker, and Zechariah, which gives them um, a real vision. So the, the, the ministry of, uh, of the prophet here. We will get in in the later chapters. We're going to stop there for this evening, and we'll speed up the, the pace a little, but we're, we'll get into uh, the, the rest of the chapters here, which are, are Zechariah is going to take us away from the immediate future to 500 years to the time where Jesus actually comes. And then he's also going to take them uh, to 2,000-plus years uh, at the time where Jesus actually comes permanently and sets up his reign, a physical return. But on Sunday evening, we, uh, we close out the service with prayer, and we use the teaching on Sunday evening sort of as a springboard for prayer. We turn down the lights, as you can just see. If whoever's worshiping here, if you could just come um, up, we're going to have... Uh, some some worship going on, and so um, 